I'm your host, Doug Berg, and welcome to Berg's Brain, a storytelling comedy show that will hopefully make you laugh, make you think, and make you want more. Now, on this episode, I'm going to try something a little bit different like I did my last episode, Berg's Brain Bits. And I'm going to share the story of attempting to get two of my screenplays into the hands of actors and producers through what I'd say non-traditional approaches, since it's nearly impossible to get it through the gatekeepers using conventional means. So jump aboard the train, get a little insane, getting inside Berg's brain. Thanks to all of you loyal listeners around the globe, Berg's brain is really taking off, and we're proud to bring on a great new sponsor, Pete's Coffee. On April Fool's Day in 1966, Alfred Pete opened his first coffee store in Berkeley, California, and quietly ignited a revolution that forever changed the expectations of American coffee drinkers. And as we come upon nearly 60 years of business for Pete's and the coffee revolution, Pete's has partnered with another great revolutionary who sang about peaceful revolution from his hotel bed in Montreal back on May 31st, 1969, the great John Lennon. So join with us to protest the proliferation of all of today's frou-frou coffee drinks and get back to a simpler time when BCM, Black Coffee, mattered. Take it away, John. Two, one, two, three, four. Everybody's talking about black coffee, iced coffee, green coffee, not just coffee, Turkish coffee, Irish coffee, this coffee, that coffee, 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 coffee. Come on, everybody's talking about Americanos, macchiatos, cortados, affogados, cappuccinos, frappuccinos, marancinos, chinos, chinos, chinos. Let me tell you now, everybody's talking about skinny latte, cafe latte, cafe, ole, what a way to start your day. Half cap, caramel frapperies, the skins, and your rap. Everybody's talking about oy vey, Nescafe, you band, not a fan. Cold brew, drip brew, cock-a-doodle-doodle-doo. Seattle's best, all the rest, Starbucks, what the fuck? So the next time you're looking to grab a coffee, all we're saying is, give Pete's a chance. It was the summer of 2016, and I just completed a movie script about Little League Baseball called Dogpile, with the log line, years after a ball game injury disappoints his overbearing sports dad and derails his competitive spirit, an easygoing Little League coach becomes obsessed with winning when his own kid's team makes it to the championship. Now, this wasn't my first script, and I'd been through the more traditional process with earlier scripts of entering them into contests, trying to get them to agents through thousands of query letters, and as the story usually goes, rejection, rejection, rejection. I mean, hell, I got rejected more times than a five foot seven inch Jewish kid playing in the NBA. And the rejection didn't kill me. 
I expected it. So I didn't harbor any hard feelings, never got angry as I'd read enough about the movie business to know my chances of getting an agent and selling a script were just a hair less than buying the winning Powerball ticket. You know, somewhere in the range of $300 million to one. But with Dogpile, I knew I had something special. Having been a long-time Little League coach and parent, I knew this world inside and out, and I'd written the first authentic Little League baseball movie. And by authentic... I mean that the drama and laughter were real, not stereotyped. So, no ice cream eating hot dog sucking down overweight kid. No fly ball to the outfield where all the kids gather around and either let it drop to the ground or worse yet, the ball hits the glasses wearing nerdy kid right on his noggin and he falls over writhing in pain and embarrassment. No completely psycho parent screaming at the ump at after every play his kid's involved in. And, of course, no drunk, fast-talking, I really don't want to be here, coach, but I have to be here because my wife left me and I got fired from my job again, and basically I've got nothing left in life, so of course the league's assigned me, a misfit loser, to lead a ragtag bunch of oddball kids for a summer of Little League antics and heroics. So, armed with what I felt then, and still feel to this day with the best, most authentic, can't-miss-kids baseball story, I decided on a different, more creative, I-got-nothing-to-lose approach. So, I researched all the baseball movies made in the last 30 years, signed up for a free trial of the IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, and found every producer or producers of 30-plus films. Now, a few of the films were pretty damn old. Some producers had passed away, or looking at the list a little more closely, I realized Dogpile might not be in the sweet spot for a number of producers, so I whittled down the list down to 23 movies and the accompanying 23 producers. Now, I threw one curveball into the mix, and as you'll see in a minute, I felt the talented actor Brian Cranston would be the perfect actor to play the main character, coach and dad, Huck Flynn, so I added him to the target list. I wrote two types of query letters. To the producers, I wrote a generic pitch, but customized it to include a section on their baseball movie and why I thought they might like to check out Dogpile. Now, for Brian Cranston... I did a little bit more research and was flabbergasted when I found out Brian was a huge baseball fan, and he did this amazing one-man show video dramatizing some of the postseason's greatest highlights of baseball. So I click on the YouTube link, and here's Brian sitting on a stage, and he says, I had been doing a lot of um, a lot of TV and movie work, and I felt it was just time for me to get back to the basics by diving right into my great passion, baseball. Next, the video cuts to Brian in different uniforms, costumes, makeup, etc., acting out all these monumental baseball moments. I was blown away. I thought, how perfect is this? And I dug a little deeper and found a wonderful and hilarious article where Brian, upon winning an Emmy, thanks his wife and daughter and tells them he loves them, quote, more than baseball, but it's close, and with replay, even closer, but family edges out baseball by a whisker, end quote. Well, after the video spoof and his Emmy comments, I knew Brian Cranston was the guy for the script, and here's the query I sent him. Dear Brian, To quote one of the great actors of our time, you, I felt it was just time for me to get back to the basics of diving right into my great passion, baseball. And this is the very same actor who, upon accepting an Emmy, said, I thank my wife and daughter every day and tell them I love them, more than baseball. In all honesty, it's close, and with replay, even closer, but family edges out baseball by a whisker. It's that same passion and love of the great game of baseball that inspired me to complete my new comedy drama screenplay, Dogpile. And here's the logline. Years after a ball game injury disappoints his overbearing sports dad and derails his competitive spirit, an easygoing Lily coach becomes obsessed with winning when his kid's own team makes it to the championship. I can't think of any other actor than you to play the part of Lily coach Huck Flynn. I was enthralled by your complexity in Breaking Bad. I embraced your depth and integrity as Trumbo. But all that paled to your Tour de Farce 2014 one-man MLB postseason show, perhaps the greatest performance in cinematic history. Having coached Little League for over 10 years, I've seen it all. Rigged tryouts, draft room shenanigans, players chosen because of their H.M. hot mom, and a myriad of coaches and parents reliving unfulfilled dreams after somehow missing the memo that Little League Baseball isn't about them. On the flip side, 
I've witnessed and been part of some of the funniest, rewarding, and heartwarming moments that only Little League Baseball delivers. Dogpile captures the humor, heart, and soul of this generational rite of passage between grandfathers, fathers, and sons that plays out across fields and parks across the globe, instilling a sense of hope through the metaphor of baseball. Now, I realize most producers and actors don't accept scripts without a referral or agent in hand, but I'm hoping you'll take a chance on a fellow ball player and agree to read my script. I know you love baseball, and I hope you'll love my script. PDF work for you? Let me know. Doug Berg, Coach, Parent, Writer. Now, to go the extra mile, I hand-wrote each of the 23 letters to the producers and the one to Brian and mailed them. Yes, I actually hand-wrote and mailed them. See, I'm a bit old school and appreciate the civility, the effort, the distinctive touch of writing and mailing an actual letter. It takes commitment and a damn strong constitution, as licking 24 stamps in one sitting is pretty nasty as that toxic stamp glue can just about kill you. You know, and licking the stamps reminded me of one of my earlier jokes that went, Back in the late 60s and early 70s, we lived in Berkeley, and the post office in our neighborhood covered the backs of their stamps with LSD. I soon became an avid stamp collector. I remember one Christmas, I mailed out 16,000 Christmas cards. A few months later, I was finally able to get some sleep. Well... Back to Dogpile. Unbelievably, a few weeks later, I get an email from an assistant to Jeremy Zimmer at UTA, United Talent Agency, one of the largest and most successful agencies in the world. And the email said, Hi, Doug. I am reaching out to you from United Talent Agency. We received the letter you sent to Brian's attention about your script, Dogpile. We can accept the script if you would be willing to complete the submission release form attached. If you could please complete, sign, and scan the form back to me, I will then reach back out to you to send me the script. Please let me know if you have any questions. Thanks! Exclamation. Sarah Scoach, assistant to Jeremy Zimmer. And who is Jeremy Zimmer? The person Sarah is the assistant to? Well, he's the fucking CEO of UTA. And just to be crystal fucking clear, C-E-O-U-T-A are six really important fucking letters, especially in that order. Now, it's 10.58 a.m. when I get Sarah's email at my desk at work. You can't imagine what that's like. I am totally freaked out. I mean, I sent this cute little query letter and either Brian or his assistant opened and read the letter and thought it was worthwhile enough to send it on to his talent agent. Are you fucking kidding me? Then you take a quick step back as you're not sure it's real. You're not sure if one of your nerdy techie friends who you told about the letter has hacked into your email and is pulling your fucking leg. Regardless, you're literally hyperventilating. You read and reread and reread the email again and again and again. And to make sure you've read it accurately, you call over one of your cube mates and he says, Looks pretty legit to me. So I take a few more deep breaths, gather myself, and type back at 11.28 a.m. Hi, Sarah. Great to hear from you. Per your request, I'm attaching the completed and signed submission release form. Looking forward to hearing back from you about sending over my script. Thanks. And while I'm still nervously waiting, expecting one of my asshole friends to prank me, in less than a few seconds, at the same time, 11.28 a.m., Sarah replies, Thanks so much. You can send it over when you're ready. I can send it when I'm ready? Again, are you fucking kidding me? So, I attach a PDF and send my script, Dogpile, to Sarah Scoach, assistant to Jeremy Zimmer, CEO, UTA, and nearly pass the fuck out. Now, here's where it gets even crazier. At 12.14 p.m., I get another email from another person at UTA. Hey, Doug. I'm emailing on behalf of Sarah Clossy, Brian's agent, regarding the submission you sent Brian. We would love to look further into the project Dogpile. Please send me the PDF our way. Thanks, all the best, Savannah Birnbaum, assistant to Sarah Clossy. So Sarah Clossy, Brian's direct agent, also wants to see the script. This can't be happening. So I send over a quick reply and attach a PDF of Dogpile. I mean, come on, <laughs> it was almost way too much to take. I mean, two people at UTA, Brian's direct agent and the assistant to the CEO, have requested copies of Dogpile? Suffice it to say, I didn't get a lot of work done the rest of the day after getting those emails. Well, about six weeks go by. I haven't heard anything, but I'm 
patient and know it can take a while for a script to get read, coverage written, etc. So on Halloween, I sent a quick touch base email. Monday, October 31st, 2016, 11.33 a.m. Hi, Sarah. Happy Halloween. Just a quick check in to see if you have any update recoverage regarding my script, Dogpile. Let me know. Thanks, Doug. And, of course, no response, eh, which isn't great. Well, another three weeks pass, and I'm not ultra-positive on the lack of response, so I send one more note just in case. So on November 17th, 2016, 12.18 p.m., I email out, Hi, Sarah and Savannah. Thanks for following up and looping Savannah in to get an update regarding my script. Just an FYI, really think Brian is perfect for the lead role, and I'm not sending this to any others until I hear back yes or no. Look forward to hearing back from you when you get an update. Thanks, Doug. Well, about a month later in mid-December, I get this email. Hi, Doug. Unfortunately, Brian is going to pass on this project. We thank you very much for your interest in him, and we wish you the best of luck. Best and thanks, Savannah. So, for the entire fall of 2016, from September through December, I had the hope, the possibility, the dream of writing and mailing a query letter to Brian Cranston and him agreeing to play the lead Huck Flynn in Dogpile. Honestly, the final email and end to the journey wasn't unexpected, wasn't sad, wasn't a letdown. I took it as a great example and story of what it takes to get through the muck, the mire, the gatekeepers, and at the very least, I had a hell of a good cocktail party story. Well, the holidays, including New Year's, came and went, and high school baseball was starting up for my 15-year-old son, Jacob, and I hadn't really thought any more about Dogpile. It was late January, and my son was experiencing some elbow soreness when throwing, and with tryouts in mid-February, I set a late afternoon appointment for January 31st with our great orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Robert Teasdale. Well, it was about 5 o'clock on January 31st when we got in to see Dr. Teasdale. During the exam, I saw a call come into my cell phone with a 323 area code, which I knew to be one from L.A., but didn't pay it much attention as it could have easily been a telemarketer, and since I was focused on Dr. Teasdale's exam of my son's golden arm... I let it go to voicemail. Well, we complete the elbow exam, rest and ice prescribed, so no surgery, thank God, and out we head to the car in a cold, pouring rain. Once in the car, I pulled out my phone and played the voicemail into my ear, not the loudspeaker, and here's what it said. Doug Berg, this is Brian Frankish. I, I never do this. I never respond to pitches like this, but... I don't know, there's something about this pitch that uh, I want to hear more about, so I'm at 323-650-0811. Believe me, I've never responded to any of these letters ever, I, but I like this pitch. Call me. Now, I hear this, and just like with the email back from UTA asking to send the script to Brian, I'm pretty damn freaked out again. So Jacob turns to me and says, Dad, what's wrong? I put the phone on speaker and played it again. Doug Berg, this is Brian Frankish. I, I never do this. I never respond to pitches like this. I don't know. There's something about this pitch that uh, I want to hear more about. So I'm at 323 Believe me, I've never responded to any of these letters ever. I, but I like this bitch. Call me. My son and I were buzzing, excited, in shock. I'm pretty sure we high-fived a time or two. Now, here's the thing. Remember, I sent out 23 letters to 23 producers, so I had no idea who Brian Frankish was and what film he produced. So I do a quick Google search, and guess what movie Brian Frankish produced? Field of fucking dreams. Well, actually, he produced Field of Dreams, but at that moment, and even to this day, it was Field of fucking dreams. And look, I'm not knocking some baseball movies and their producers who I queried, like Air Bud 7th Inning Fetch, Bad News Bears Go to Japan, or my favorite, Ed in which a trained chimpanzee plays third base for a minor league baseball team, 
but I kind of thought if I heard back from any producer on my Little League query letter, it was likely going to be of that quality of baseball flick. But no, I get what is often considered in every top 10 baseball movie poll, the number one or number two baseball and even sports movie of all time, Field of Fucking Dreams. I just couldn't believe it. So, as with the first UTA Brian Cranston email, I gathered myself, took a few deep breaths, and called Brian Frankish back. After a couple rings, it goes right to voicemail, so I leave a message. Well, no return call that night, so the next morning at the office, I did a little research and found a possible Brian Frankish email at AOL.com and figured since Brian was in his late 60s or early 70s, he could have an AOL email. So I shoot him a quick email, and unbelievably, he emailed back in a matter of minutes asking me to call him later that night around 7, which I do, and we have a fantastic conversation. He once again reiterated that after being in the business for over 50 years, he'd never done anything like this before. Never responded to a blind query letter. But there's just something about my pitch and story, and he asked me to email him a one-page synopsis of Dogpile. Which I do. I sent the producer a Field of Dreams, a one-page synopsis of my script. Fuck! And just like with UTA and Cranston's team, I'm back in the black hole. Silence, nada, bupkis for months. So, after the lengthy radio darkness, ever the driven scriptwriter, I took a chance, figured nothing to lose, and sent an email checking in about the synopsis, and I attached the first ten pages of Dogpile that I knew were kick-fucking-ass. Here's that email. Monday, April 3rd, 2017, 10.57am. Subject, Dogpile check-in, first ten pages. Morning, Brian. Hope all's well. In addition to my one-page synopsis, thought I'd send you the first ten pages to Dogpile. Figured if you're on a plane traveling for business, you might have time to review the opening scenes to get a better feel for the story and my writing style. Look forward to circling back with you down the road, and hopefully you'll request a full version of Dogpile soon. Good luck on your projects. Know you're really busy right now. Thanks, Doug. The following day, April 4th, Brian writes back at 4.22 p.m., Good set of 10, dot, 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 send the rest, I want to read this one, exclamation, Brian Frankish, Frankish Benedict Entertainment, LLC. Holy fucking shit. The producer of Field of Dreams, or Field of Fucking Dreams, the way I was feeling, wrote, good set of 10, dot, 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 send the rest, I want to read this one, exclamation point. Are you kidding me? Is this really happening? Could Brian Frankish read my script and decide to make it into a movie? Oh my fucking God. So per his request, I emailed back that night. Evening, Brian. Hope all's well. Glad you enjoyed the first 10. Per your request, attaching the full script, 106 pages plus the title page. Looking forward to hooking up with you after your read. And again, thanks for doing something you've never done in 50 years in the business. When you left that in your voicemail, I felt magic in the air, and as the producer of Field of Dreams, you know a thing or two about magic. Have a good night. Doug. I'm on cloud nine, and more accurately, cloud ten, as I can't be happier or higher and do my best to maintain my cool, not get too excited, No, I'm still a long way away from Dogpile being bought and made into a movie. So what do I do? I refocus on my day job and begin kicking around a few ideas for my next script. A few weeks go by, I'm at a work off-site, not checking my phone for calls or emails, and on a break I head outside to catch up, and here's an email I received. From James Cole, May 1st, 2017 at 9.47 a.m. Good morning, Doug. On behalf of your inquiry to Mark Berg, we'd like to read your script, Dogpile. If you could, please fill out the attached form and return it along with a PDF of your screenplay. Please let us know if you have any questions. Thanks. James Cole, Talent Department, Primary Wave, entertainment. Now, similarly to the initial voicemail from Brian Frankish, who, remember, was one of 23 query letters and I had no idea who he was before Googling, the same held true here as I had no idea who in the hell Mark Berg or his production company Primary Wave Entertainment was. So, back on Google, I type in Mark Berg, hit enter. A page of movie graphics pops up and all of the images are for the original and sequels to the horror flick Saw. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the Saw series, 
Saw was a horror franchise that revolved around a serial killer, dubbed the Jigsaw Killer, who captured victims who he believed didn't appreciate their life and put them into traps to test their survival instinct. So, I'm dazed, confused, wondering how and why I sent my Little League baseball script to the producer of Saw. So I decide to refresh and get to page two of the search, and there it is, the Daily Double, or in this case, the Daily Fucking Double, the co-holy grail, as Mark Berg, producer of the 1988 film classic Bull Durham, or as I'm sure you can now guess, I referred to it as Bull Fucking Durham. So... I've not only been asked to send my script to a great and perfect-for-the-part actor, Brian Cranston, I've been asked to send my script to Brian Frankish and Mark Berg, arguably the producers of two of the greatest and most beloved baseball movies of all time. And remember, I'd have been damn happy to get a we'd love to read your script from the producer of Air Bud's seventh-inning fetch, but no, I got requests from the producers of Fucking Field and Fucking Bull. So... As you can imagine, I wasn't much help at the company offsite the rest of the day. As soon as I got back to the hotel, I filled out the form, attached the script, and emailed it back to James. A few days later, just to follow up and confirm he got it, I sent this email. Morning, James. Assuming the PDFs of the release and script got through to you, but can you let me know if you got them as sometimes larger attachments may not go through? Thanks, Doug. And James replied shortly thereafter, Hi, Doug. Yes, I received. Thank you very much. Exclamation point. James Cole. So, let's take a brief step back and take in what had happened over the last few months. On a whim, with no real hope of any response, three handwritten letters, the first mailed to one of the most iconic and versatile actors of our time, Brian Cranston, two mailed to the producers of two of the greatest baseball-slash-sports movies of all time, Brian Frankish and Mark Berg, resulted in requests to read my Little League Baseball script, Dogpile. And here I am, some eight years later, and I still get goosebumps thinking about the result. It's crazy. It's unheard of. It's a fucking story and a half. So... Let's take the Mark Berg, producer of Bull Durham, story first. Weeks, months go by and nothing. Not a bubkis. But I'm on to my next script and, as usual, have no expectations of anything. And that was the proper approach. As to this day, after a few occasional email check-ins with James, I never heard another word. So, the producer of Bull Durham wasn't going to produce Dogpile. Okay, cool, no hard feelings. Again, I looked at it as just part of the incredible story. Now... Back to Brian Frankish, who loved the first ten pages and asked me to send him the script. But just as before, silence. No contact for months. So I write Brian the following email. May 10th, 2017, 12.42 p.m. Hey, Brian. Hope you're well. Quick check-in to see if you've had a chance to read beyond the first ten pages. Also, you may know Mark Berg. I reached out to him as well via letter because of his work producing Bull Durham. He asked me to send him the script last week. Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. Pretty amazing. Two of my favorite movies of all time. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Doug. Brian emails back. May 10th, 2017, 5.47 p.m. Hey, Doug. Sorry I've been too overloaded as of late. I'll get to it. Just can't say when. Brian Frankish. To which I reply, Wednesday, May 10th, 2017 at 8.49 p.m. Great. Look forward to hearing what you think of the entire script. Thanks again, Doug. So a few more months go by. I figure it's okay to reach out to Brian again, and I write on July 17th, 2017 at 1.12 p.m. Afternoon, Brian. Hope your summer's going well. Been a few months since I checked in regarding my script, Dogpile. Let me know if you've had a chance to get beyond the first 10 pages. Clearly, you know a thing or two about classic baseball movies, and I truly believe Dogpile has the potential to be another. It's the only authentic Little League Baseball script I've ever seen, and with you at the helm, I know the film will touch the magical spot in moviegoers' hearts. Looking forward to hearing back from you. All the best, Doug. Later that day, Brian emails back. Monday, July 17th, 2017 at 5.47 p.m. I'm sorry, Doug. Dot, dot, dot. I have to pass. I've got too much on my plate right now, and none of the projects have anything to do with sports. Best of luck with your screenplay. Brian Frankish. Well, again, not completely unexpected, but yeah, I'd be lying if his I have to pass didn't burst my bubble, take the wind out of my sails, and squash my dream. So, I paused, reflected on the wild journey with Cranston, Berg, and Frankish, and smiled. 
proud of the effort I'd made to push the envelope after writing a letter and placing it in an envelope, and all the tenacious follow-up trying to get dogpiled to someone in Hollywood who could just make it into a movie. A few weeks go by, maybe more, and one night, what film pops up on TV? Why, none other than Field of Dreams. And at this point, it's back to Field of Dreams. It's lost the Field of Fucking Dreams cachet. And I will watch that movie every time it comes on, so that's what I did. And a few hours later, after the mystical, metaphorical, wondrous journey comes to its brilliant and moving end, with all the car headlights approaching the field, as yes, if you build it, they will come, I got one last burst, one last impulse, one last truth I had to address, just as Kevin Costner playing his character, Ray Kinsella, had to do to resolve his past, present, and future in the film. So, I poured myself a good-sized whiskey, sat down at my desk, and wrote this letter to Brian Frankish. Dear Brian, hope you're well. Dropping you a note to thank you for taking time to look at my initial query letter, synopsis, and first 10 pages of Dogpile. You've been incredibly gracious, especially in light of the fact that I reached out to you to start the process. You weren't looking for a script from me. That being said, I'm sad and a bit disappointed that you ended the journey without pushing forward. Here's why. 1. I specifically targeted you as a producer to read Dogpile based upon your role and not only creating one of the great baseball movies of all time, but a movie filled with magic, wonder, belief. 2. The voicemail you left me after receiving my initial query letter? Hi, this is Brian Frankish, and I have to tell you, in over 50 years in the business, I've never done this before, but there's something about your pitch that intrigues me, and I want to know more. And I want to reiterate, in over 50 years of doing this, I've never replied to this type of query. I've never done that. Call me. Three, we spoke, had a wonderful conversation. You asked that I send you a synopsis. Four, I sent you a one-page synopsis. Didn't hear back, so I followed up and sent my first 10 pages. You emailed back to me and said, quote, Good set of 10, I really want to read this, exclamation point, send the full script, end quote. Five, since that time, we had a few brief emails back and forth. The most recent from you stating that you're swamped with projects and not doing sports movies at this time. I'm assuming you didn't have a chance to move beyond the first 10. Now, if any one of the above five points wouldn't have happened, I'd have written you a thank you note and been done with it. But... One, you're the producer of Field of Dreams. Two, and for the producer of Field of Dreams to call me back upon reading my query and tell me you've never done anything like this in 50 years in the business, it has to mean something. It's otherworldly. It's magical, dare I say. A sign. Three, after we spoke, I researched your work in more detail and came across a YouTube video of you teaching a college course about your work as a producer. Your passion, humor, and energy were amazing, and I felt an even stronger connection in that I'd made the right choice sending you my query. Four. If the first ten pages I sent you sucked, end of story, game over. But the first ten don't suck, and you clearly like the opening scenes and story with your reply, good set of ten, I really want to read this exclamation point. Send the full script. Five. I completely understand and accept how busy you are on projects. My life is crazy full, so I can only imagine what yours is like. And if the next step in this journey was some substantial time-consuming undertaking, I'd again say thanks and move on. You've read 10. There's 90 more. A few hours tops of commitment to see where my story goes. So combining all these factors together, I continually hear one phrase over and over again in my head. Go the distance. Go the distance. Go the distance. The seminal touchstone line in your movie, Field of Dreams. Now, clearly, I'm not you. But if I were, I'd have to go the distance. I'd have to know the rest of the story. And if I couldn't find time in my schedule, I'd pass the script along to a colleague that might have the time, might have the passion, might have the desire to produce the greatest Little League baseball movie ever made. Just like the words in your voicemail. I've never done this before either. 
I've never had the tenacity, the chutzpah, the balls to write the producer of Field of Dreams a second letter after he kindly said he'd have to pass. I've never been so committed to a script, a story, a journey, and I'll continue to go the distance because I know this script and ultimately this movie will touch people in a similar way that Field of Dreams did and still does. Brian, Mr. Frankish, I hope you'll go the distance with me. Thank you, Doug. Now, I wish I could say that after receiving my impassioned plea, Brian found the time to go the distance, read the rest of Dogpile, and loved it so much that he agreed to produce it. But alas, as the story often goes in Hollywood, the project died, Brian never finished the script, and never got back to me. And while Brian making Dogpile would have been a hell of a story, this one ain't so bad on its own. And the thing is, there's a second part. So go grab a drink, rip a bong hit, make a sandwich, take a bio break, which I guess is the new PC way to say use the bathroom, which I just don't see how saying use the bathroom is offensive, but bio break it is. Because here we go for the next phase of this screenplay journey. Now, as I alluded to earlier, I'd finished Dogpile and was looking to write my next script. Most of my scripts, including Dogpile, were either straight comedies or dramedies as I'm drawn to the funny. So I'm looking through my list of possible next screenplays, and I came across a one-line note. Ask Johnny about Dr. Adler and getting out of the Vietnam War. Now, I kind of had a vague recollection of the story, but my note was from a long time ago. So I called my brother Johnny and asked him about the note. Johnny proceeded to tell me about when he and my older brother Alan were at Ohio State in 1969, three years apart. And in December of that year, the U.S. instituted the draft no longer honoring several enlisted exemptions, such as attending college to get out of the Vietnam War. On live TV, hosted by CBS, the actual draft was televised. 366 days of the year, including February 29th for a leap year, were printed on slips of paper, and these pieces of paper were then each placed in opaque plastic capsules, which were then mixed in a giant shoebox and then dumped into a deep glass jar. Now, the capsules were drawn from the jar one at a time and opened, and the earlier your birthday was drawn, the higher likelihood you were getting drafted and heading to Nam. The first couple hundred birthdays were on the, you're pretty much fucked train, and the remaining 166 could breathe easy at least for now. Well, my older brother Alan got number 258, so he was safe. Unfortunately, Johnny got number 42, and while 42 is a great number if you're a baseball fan and historian of Jackie Robinson... Here, 42 was a kiss of death result in a draft lottery. So I asked Johnny, what the fuck did you do? Well, he said one of our family friends had a son that was in the same boat and went to see a dermatologist named Louis Adler. Louis, a former World War II medic and war hero, had moved back to Cincinnati, opened a dermatology practice, and as early as 1965, he found a way to test boys for all types of allergies that soldiers would encounter in Vietnam and provide them with a medical excuse to obtain the status 4F, meaning registrant not qualified for military service. Louis ran the very test on Johnny and hundreds of other young men, many of them Jewish boys, as Louis was well known in the local Jewish community, and he saved them from serving and most likely dying in that bullshit war. Well, I had my next story, my next script, right then and there, and I called it 4F. So, you might be thinking, pretty cool story, but how in the hell is this connected to Dogpile? Well, here's how. So, I researched Dr. Louis Adler, the doctor who got my brother Johnny out of Vietnam, and he passed away in 1998 at the age of 75. Now, Louis had three sons who followed in their dad's footsteps, became dermatologists, were contemporaries of my brother, and two of them still lived in Cincinnati. I got the name of the eldest son, Mark, and just as I'd done with Cranston and the 23 baseball movie producers... I wrote and mailed a handwritten letter to Mark, pitching him on the script idea 4F with his dad as the hero and main character. Well, a few weeks go by. I'm driving to a work site in Northern California, and a call comes in with a 513 Cincinnati area code. So I answered it, and it's Mark Adler. Or as I thought at that moment, Mark fucking Adler. So I pull over and we proceed to have an hour-long conversation about his dad, his amazingly interesting life. And the more I learn about his dad, Louis, the more I want to write the script. So we wrap up the call. 
I tell Mark and his wife, Ava, I'm going to be in Cincinnati for a wedding in July, and they ask me to call them when I get in to drop by the house so we can meet and discuss Louie in greater detail. So, unbelievably, a few months later, I'm sitting at the kitchen table with Mark and Ava Adler, and it was an amazing day. They shared scrapbooks, articles, World War II memorabilia. I learned Louie was a medic at Pearl Harbor on that fateful day of the Japanese attack and that Louie became a decorated war hero serving throughout the Pacific. And they shared a number of amazing stories about how Louie was a joke-telling machine who always made people laugh, smile, feel better. So now more than ever, I knew I had my main character and the lead in 4F. Okay, now here's where it all starts to come together. After a couple of wonderful hours, we're wrapping up and Ava says to Mark, Honey, doesn't Allie work for some big-time actor in L.A.? Mark says, you're right, honey. Totally forgot that Tommy's daughter, as he turns to me and says, Tommy's my youngest brother and Allie's my niece. And he continues, Allie works for, oh, shoot, what's the guy's name again? He and Ava struggle to remember, and now I'm on the edge of my seat praying they remember. Mark rubs his forehead and says, I think his name is Ralph Cramden. Now, I rub my head somewhat confused and said, Ralph Cramden, the same name of that Jackie Gleason character in The Honeymooners? Ava jumps in and says, no, 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 it's it's Brian Cramden. I said, Brian Cramden? Can't think of any actor named... And then it hits me like a ton of bricks, and I say, is it possible you're referring to Brian Cranston? They both shout, yes, Brian Cranston, that's the guy. Allie's Brian Cranston's personal assistant. So I looked up towards the ceiling, put my hands on the sides of my face and said, Mark, Ava, you're not going to believe this, but... And I proceed to share my Brian Cranston dogpile story. Well, we shared a laugh and this eerie connection of fate, kismet, serendipity, or whatever the hell you want to call it. So they get me Allie's phone and address. We hugged deeply, and I told them I'd share a draft of the script as soon as I'm done. I walked back to my car, sat there for a good 15 minutes, just taking it all in, savoring, realizing what a powerful story I had about Dr. Adler. Well, once I gathered myself, I drove over to my brother Johnny's house, told him what just happened. He then tells me that he's very close with Allie's mom, Debbie, just saw her a few months ago at their high school reunion. And if that's not enough, he tells me Justin, his son and my nephew, who's married to Lauren Schmallow, well, Lauren went to school with Allie Adler and is super close with her to this day. So if I had any doubts before, those were gone. And now I was 100% convinced in the whole Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation thing. So, after a couple of months of intense writing, I had a solid draft of 4F and I wrote Allie Adler this letter. Hi, Allie. My name is Doug Berg, and I live in Mill Valley, California. I was born in Cincinnati, where one of my two older brothers, Johnny Berg, grew up and went to Woodward High School with your mom, Debbie. They saw each other last October at your mom's 50th reunion, and Johnny always talks so fondly of your mom. To add another layer, my nephew, Justin Berg, is married to Lauren Schmallow, your good friend. Small world. Now, to make the small world even smaller, I'm writing you with a Brian Cranston tale. See, in my free time, I write screenplays. I wrote one a few years ago called Dogpile about Little League Baseball. Based on the main character and Brian's love of baseball, I felt he'd be the perfect guy to play dad and coach Huck Flynn. I took a stab in the dark and sent Brian a hard copy old school letter. And a few weeks later, I received a call from his talent agency, UTA, asking me to sign a release and submit the script. Someone, and I don't know if it was Brian or an assistant, forwarded the query letter to his agency. Unfortunately, they passed on the script and it slipped into the abyss. I've included the letter I sent Brian at the end of this email for reference. Always living by the motto, if at first you don't succeed, I just completed a new script entitled 4F, and once again, I feel Brian would nail the lead role. And here's the log line. 25 years after serving as a medic during World War II, a doctor uncovers a medical exemption and must decide between supporting the Vietnam War or securing 4F deferments, saving the lives of hundreds of young men. And who was that doctor? Why, none other than your grandfather, Louis. 
Now, I had the pleasure recently of spending an afternoon with your Uncle Mark and Aunt Ava talking about your grandfather, and they informed me that you worked for Brian. Again, small, small, crazy small world. Now, my plan before learning of this had been to send a new query to Brian about 4F, referencing the first query and the story Dogpile. But now, with this whole Meshuggah far less than six degrees of separation saga, I decided to email you, tell you the story, and see if there's anything you can do or recommend helping place 4F into Brian's hands. If you don't have that kind of relationship with Brian anymore, or if you're not comfortable reaching out to him, I totally understand, and I'd never put you in an awkward position. I figured sharing the story with all the connections, relationships, and coincidences colliding was worth it no matter what happens from your end. Also want to throw it out there that if you'd like to chat about it on the phone, be great to hook up at your convenience. Hopefully our paths will cross someday, and if you're ever up in the Bay Area, let me know and we can grab coffee or lunch. Look forward to hearing back from you. Thanks, Doug. Well, again, the personal handwritten letter worked its magic. As a couple weeks later, Allie called me back. She started off by telling me that she was the person who got my dogpile pitch, showed it to Brian, and then sent it to UTA, or in this case, UT-fucking-A. I mean, I was blown away. Well, we had a wonderful chat, and she asked me to draft a query letter for 4F, send it to her, and she'd get it to Brian. So here's the letter I wrote. Dear Brian, if at first you don't succeed... See, a few years ago, I sent you a query to see if you'd consider playing the role of Little League coach Huck Flynn in the script Dogpile. And based on your love of baseball and your acting range to arc from mild-mannered, easygoing dad to obsessed coach, I thought you'd be perfect. Well, your assistant, Allie Allard, forwarded the query to UTA and the agency requested the script. Unfortunately, I was later informed that you passed on the script. The mere fact that a blind query letter created enough intrigue to make its way through the gatekeeper minefield inspires me to this day. It's that inspiration that propelled me forward to write another script entitled 4F. And as before with Dogpile, I can think of no better actor to play the lead role of Ali's uncle, Dr. Louis Adler. Here's the log line. 25 years after serving as a medic during World War II, a doctor uncovers a medical exemption and must decide between supporting the Vietnam War or securing deferment saving the lives of hundreds of young men. 4F is a script inspired by true events. These events, beginning with the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941 and culminating with the decade-long U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, capture a volatile and revolutionary time in America as one patriotic war does a complete 180 into a war of lies, process, peace movements, and social upheaval that forever changed the face of war and life in our country. At the heart of this epic tale is Louis Adler. Louis was smack dab in the middle of the attack at Pearl Harbor and subsequently at Guadalcanal, serving as a first-rate medic and eventual medal-winning hero. Twenty-five years later, Louis, now an allergist, experiences the tragic deaths of two young men fighting in Vietnam that he knows through work and family friends. Faced with the ongoing escalation of the war and the threat to numerous other young men, Louis considers a plan to provide 4F medical deferments to keep boys from serving at Vietnam. This decision is rife with complexity, walking a fine line between patriot and protester, symbolizing a country torn between war and peace. I truly believe this behind-the-scenes unknown story of a complex character like Dr. Adler, placed against the backdrop of a complex time from Pearl Harbor to Nam, will resonate with a broad audience in today's world of political lies, deceptions, and cover-ups. I hope you'll take a chance, consider reading my script, and in my wildest dreams, agree to portray Dr. Adler in this film. Lastly, 4F is perhaps my most meaningful and personal work to date, as two of the boys Dr. Adler encountered were my two older brothers. See their comments on the next page. Thank you, Doug Berg. And here are the comments from my brothers. Dougie, I just read your screenplay. I have tears streaming down my face. I truly believe this is the best thing you have ever written. So powerful, so emotional. I loved how you brought so many personal things into the writing. Sergeant Beale, my inability to pee at the induction center out of nerves and fear. Ruthie Elfenbaum, Rabbi Goldfeder, Big Ox, the second hole at the country club over water, etc. You are extremely talented, and I so hope that the screenplay gets picked up. I truly believe it will make a great movie. The flow was superb, and it's so easy to read and understand. You painted so many amazing pictures. Mazel tov on a beautiful piece of literature. 
living through the Vietnam years, your screenplay really hits home. And I really feel that you paid homage to many thousands of brave young men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Extremely well done, brother. On behalf of all the other four efforts, thank you for telling the most important and compelling story. Love, Johnny. Dougie, really loved 4F. Great story. Filled with action, intrigue, crackling dialogue, and your ever-present humor in the midst of intense drama. Hope you get 4F into the hands of someone that can make the film. You really captured the time and brought back deep emotional memories. Thank you for sharing. All the best, Alan. Well, as the brilliant William Goldman so eloquently proposed in his epic tour de force adventures in screenwriting, when you get to the end as a writer or director, go fast. Don't draw it out. So I'm going to go fast. See, 4F made the rounds, moved through the process identically to Dogpile, with the only info coming back to me after my 90-day check-in, and it ended the same way Dogpile ended, with a thanks, but Mr. Cranston has decided to pass on your script. So, in baseball terminology with Brian Cranston, I was 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. And if you count the strikeouts with Frankish and Berg, that makes me 0 for 4, and the wonderfully descriptive term for four strikeouts in one ball game is the Golden Sombrero. Going to have to get really hammered on tequila and take a picture in one of those sombreros someday. Okay, so this disappointing letdown is probably not the climactic hero saves the day, hero gets the girl, hero sells his screenplay story you were hoping for, and to overstate the obvious, it certainly wasn't the ending I was hoping for either. But you know what? For me, it makes one hell of a great story. And what do I take out of it, and what do I hope you do too? The idea of hope of faith, of perseverance, of stick of staying with your passion. And that if you have a calling or a dream that you keep going, you just keep going. And in the motivational, inspirational, uplifting truth echoing throughout the whispers in Field of Dreams, you, like me, will go the distance. Go the distance. Go the fucking distance. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Berg's Brain and hope you enjoyed the ride. Just throwing it out there that if any of my loyal or first-time Berg's Brain listeners know of any literary agents or producers that can help get Dogpile or 4F another look, please email me at bergsbrainpod at gmail.com. Trust me, they'll make great damn movies. And if you liked Berg's Brain, please subscribe on any podcast platform and share it with your friends. Check out our website at bergsbrain.buzzsprout.com. And if you want to touch base, email me again at bergsbrainpod at gmail.com. As always, special thanks to my close friend, musical director, guitar legend, and Brian Cranston fan club president, Jeff P. Pod Miller. Peapon's on tour this week celebrating 25 years with his amazing band, New Monsoon. So here's a local Mill Valley band called Musical Chairs playing a live version of one of my favorite Jethro Tull songs growing up, Thick as a Brick which may be the perfect phrase describing the necessary mentality to keep going in this goddamn business. Take it away, boys.
Number one comes up every time. 